Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode 49, and we are going to be wrapping up QB1, which if you've been listening lately, we've kind of covered it three episodes at a time. And here we are at the finale trying to wrap up some storylines, and then we'll do a little bit of where they are now. But inside the show, going back to Spencer Rattler, he is ineligible for 30 school days, so that means that he's not going to be able to play in any playoff games or state championship. His football season is over, and you know they they focus in on like his family. We get to talk to his family a little bit, and they're like, "Hey, you know, like nobody got hurt. It was a victimless crime." And there's they basically frame it to where it's like he didn't do anything wrong. So, you know, like Simon and I both said last episode, someone has a hole in their story. And, you know, he he just finally is somewhat honest with the with the audience and is like, you know, it's just a childish mistake. And it's something that I'm going to learn from and whatnot. And it just shows him like doing chores because, well, he's obviously in trouble at home as well for um, for what he did. And they also talk about how. His MCL thing was a story, like, devised by his family and administration for some reason. So, uh, Simon, what are your thoughts on that? And um, why would, you know, why would the admin and his family, like, come together to create a story? Like, that's kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, so first off, I am your co-host, Simon Voyanos. I don't know if that oh. was clear. <laughs> I was on this episode, too. Um, and, and that's Cody Stauffer over there. But yeah, uh, look, so the thing that stood out to me, the quote that stood out to me was that I don't know if it was Spencer's dad. I think it was his dad or his mom, one of them. But they said that it wasn't something that would be on his school record. So I I don't know. Someone is definitely lying. And then I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I mean, not that like we could look up his school records anyways, but I don't know. It just looks a little all of it looks very suspicious and whatnot. But either way, bottom line is that he's done for the rest of this season, done for 30 days. Uh, obviously, though, he can play basketball and other sports, but as far as football is concerned, he is done high school career-wise, and I don't know. I think it's really weird, and honestly, this is probably – well, this is all we will get about the situation. There, It's been like, shoot, three years, right? Yeah, like or, basically three years by this point. Um, yeah, he and graduated nobody, in 2019, so this season is 2018. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and so nobody has, like, snitched or, like, said anything else. So nobody really knows what, what happened except for Spencer, his, um, you know, his family probably, and then the school board. And so, uh, I don't know. If it was something really important, you'd think it'd come up by now, right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I... I'm surprised that no one has stepped forward because someone else has to know if it happened at school, right? Like someone else has to know that's not administration, like another student has to know. And so that's like probably the biggest surprise to me is that another student hasn't been like, oh, yeah, I know what Spencer Rattler did and, you know, came forward and tried to get like a little bit of fame off of Spencer. That's like my surprise. But 
like you said, it's a mystery. Yeah. We don't know. So, yeah, I mean, maybe unless there really wasn't anybody else involved and it was just Spencer, you know, doing his thing over there. So, you know, but uh, I don't know. They said it's not drugs, but like I, the, it has to be it can't be nothing, obviously, is the problem. Because basically the way that they – it was a victimless crime. It's not on a school record. It's not on a criminal record. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't sex. It wasn't – bro, it was something. It was it was victimless. Like the, basically the way that they framed it is that he didn't do anything when obviously Spencer admitted that he messed up. His family admitted that he messed up. Admin admitted that he messed up. So like obviously something happened. But Sure, but – uh, I don't know. I will give him the benefit of the doubt for now um, because it could be one of those dinky things. You know, it's Arizona. It's a red state. And, you know, Spencer isn't white. So I'm just going to throw that out there. It's definitely it could definitely be one of those things where, you know, it's obvious that the administration out there were uh, out to get him and knock down a fellow brother. So. Just go throw that out there or it's nothing or, you know, it's something for real. And, you know, it'll come out in like, you know, this year or next year and then he will never play football again. Which for your sake, I, <laughs> I think you're hoping that that doesn't happen. No, no. And, uh, you know, I think that brings up uh, a good quote that I think his dad also said where it's um, and this is a, an important message for high school athletes because, it, while it's not the same scale, you know, every athlete has a platform of some kind. And so the quote is, well, he has a platform now. And with that platform, he has that responsibility, end quote. And it's kind of like that Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility. If you are, you know, uh, an athlete in your community, right, then you have a platform. Like people know who you are if you're, you know, for the most part on the football team or on the basketball team. Like you, you have a face in the community. And if you mess up, then like, the entire community kind of loses. And then if you're a sensation, you know, if you're a highly touted prospect or recruit, then your platform is even bigger than your community. It's the football community. It's the athletic community. It's the college football community and the high school football community. So like you have to understand that, that even as a high schooler, which is tough, like you're still a kid, but people are still watching you very closely. So, you know, when you get suspended, then like all the little kids in your community know what you did and like you know whether you want it or not you're a role model in some capacity which is it, it may not be fair but it's true you have influence over community so you have to be you know you have to be smart about what you're doing and what you're up to and and you know yeah just just be smart and be a good person i guess is what i'm trying to get to yeah um, no, absolutely. And, you know, even if it's not fair, even if it's something that, you know, um, no other student, but, you know, you in your position would get criticized for. That's something you have to keep in mind. And it's something that high schoolers won't understand because, you know, high schoolers, sure, you know, they'll acknowledge all the accolades and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to believe that you're still a high schooler. Right. And that there are certain things that you feel like. Um, most high schoolers will get away with and usually will, but because it's you and because you have this platform, 
there ain't no way you're going to get critiqued more. You're going to get uh, criticized more. You're going to be under more scrutiny. They're going to nitpick at you. They're going to make all these like even if it's not right, like lying and whatnot, like they'll make these false narratives. I mean, look, look what they did to LeBron, to be honest with you. They they make a million narratives a year for him, that guy. And he's been yeah, he, he's been a star since high school. And so, you know, when you, I guess, get to that next level as an athlete and, you know, uh, continue to progress your game. That's something that you got to keep in mind, you know, narratives and right now and whatnot, because, you know, narratives, they may not be fair, but that's how people will depict you. And that's how the media will depict you. And, you know, uh, that that's a whole tricky thing. That's a whole tricky thing. I feel like most high schoolers just aren't prepared to handle um, unless they're like, very much coached up to handle it like a Nick Scalzo. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. And that that's why we're saying it here on the show is just as a heads up, basically. And, you know, you just got to you got to be ready for the and, and the important thing is that you just stick to what you're doing and you keep your head down and you just grind like you could still like, you know, entertain the media i guess in in some capacity as long as you're being you and you know you're not you're not a bad person so just but but as far as football goes it don't impact that like don't let it impact that is what i should say is is probably the biggest lesson to know because it's like your game isn't impacted by the media your game is to impacted by what you do in practice what you do on your own time how you get ready what film you watch, and then what you do on game day. That's it. So Fair enough. But either way, his season's over, and basically his story on QB1 is over. I mean, we could mention this, and this isn't like a surprise or anything, but uh, he played in the All-American game, you know, did a really good job, um, got selected. This might have been last episode, actually, but wasn't he like uh, QB of the year or whatever for Arizona? Yeah, he was. He was. Or player of the year. I I don't know. It was one of those things, but um, there was a Bijan Robinson sighting uh, in there, so I feel like that was worth mentioning as well, which uh, is... Jump um, back to, like, the last episode of the cycle, basically, or the second-to-last episode of the cycle for the Bijan Robinson breakdown. Yeah, he was... I think he was our first breakdown, yep. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He, he was our first, so go ahead and check that out. He's a stud. He was the number one running back in Arizona, or sorry, not not just Arizona, but the number one running back in the country. <laughs> so for Spencer to win it over uh, that guy is, um, I, I mean, it's a big deal because he's a beast as well. So, so yeah, but I think that basically wraps up Spencer's story here. Did you have anything else you want to add on? I mean, we'll have next segment too, I guess. I mean, not really, you know, uh, we'll talk about the future when it gets there. But, I mean, he's still a, a generational talent, as shown by the All-American game. He still went out, and even though he hadn't played football for a while, he still went out and did his thing and put on a show on the on the biggest stage in, you know, high school football, basically. So, Yeah, made it look easy out there. As he does. <laughs> as but, he always does, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and then Pinnacle High School, well... Who cares? Spencer wasn't playing for him anymore, so I'm assuming they didn't win the state chip. But no, they weren't gonna win the state chip. <laughs> I I don't know. JD's a good quarterback and whatnot, but he ain't. I mean, I, I feel like Spencer's just a better leader. 
And so, you know, there are some things that physically JD could replicate, but I guess emotionally, I don't think he's the type of guy to lead like a crazy comeback. Like, you know, like he has done, like when he uh, scored on every drive after he said he would and all that great stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, Spencer. Yeah. 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 I'm saying JD can't do that, though. Yeah. I don't think so. I, so, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that being said, you know, let's uh let's go ahead and talk about Nick Scalzo. Do you mind if I take this one here? Cody? Yeah, take the lead. Alright, say less. So uh Scalzo uh hold up. I'm trying to remember. So he got hurt last game, didn't know what the injury was necessarily. And actually this was I wanna say this was the first scene in this episode, I wanna say. But basically his dad tells him um, that it's a complete ACL tear. Surprisingly, he didn't tear anything else, though, MCL, LCL at all, which is which is interesting because usually when you have a complete ACL tear, you at least have a partial tear somewhere else. So he just got really lucky there, uh, dodged at least three or four months of, uh, of rehab and physical therapy. And so it could be worse, but basically he is done for this season, for this playoff push. Um, and, you know, went, went, went out up on top you could argue you know went out in um the best way possible obviously well maybe not the best way possible but considering the circumstance you know the best way possible he won his last game that's what matters and the crazy part about all of this is kind of just the timing of it because before this injury and well i don't know Okay, here, let me just say this part. But basically, he said in the four years that he played football, like in high school and whatnot, he had no serious injuries. I don't know how true that is because there's definitely a point uh, earlier on in the season where he got injured. And then he sit a game or no? No. Okay, so he didn't miss any Because the next game was going to be that uh, Georgia game against Milton that he played. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Okay, because it was so, basically just like a deep shoulder bruise, basically. Yeah, not a tear. Okay, so you know, t- take that as you will. You know, I I don't want to say that he's never been injured and whatnot in high school, but I, I think he meant like he never got injured, and you know, it was serious enough to the point where he had to miss a game, and then this was the first time. Obviously, it's not just a game; it's the rest of the playoffs. So there you go there. But, you know, then um, the whole thing goes down and Nick is obviously very emotional and his uh, mom is trying to calm him down and whatnot. And uh, it's a very one of the more human scenes for Nick Scalzo here. Won't you agree, Cody? It's one of the more human scenes in the entire series, or at least this season. Yes. Yes. Um, because, you know, Nick is basically portrayed as, you know, the Superman of florida in a way well i mean all all the quarterbacks are you know that's how qb1 works but like nothing bad ever has happened to nick and nothing bad will happen to nick is kind of like you know what he struts around with you know like he survived like an insane car accident with like no scrapes basically right and never had like a serious injury in football and then you get to this game and you know he plays through you know, his leg being hurt, right? So it's like, you know, there's kind of this invincible mindset that, you know, you as an audience member and Nick as a quarterback definitely has. And, you know, like, players on Cardinal Gibbons have of Nick. 
and then for him to have really torn his ACL. Like, we find out with their family, basically, because they go in and, like, they're trying to get fluid out of the knee and it's blood. Last episode that was. Yeah. And so um, we're, we're learning this entire thing with them. And then, like, Jerry's just like, you're not going to like, like, bro. What? Dude, Jerry pisses me off, bro, because he's like, he he sounds like smug, basically, when he's telling Nick. Like, he thinks it's a joke. And, like, I don't know. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, Wait, when? When he broke the news to Nick that his ACL was torn. I might need to watch that again. I I don't know. He's like, well, got some bad news. Like, oh, bro, I, I got you. <laughs> bro, level with, like, you know he's not about to handle it well. Like, show some freaking support, bro. And it's, like, literally just his, like, he's like, come sit over here. Come, come sit down w- with your folks. Like, bro. How how would you break it, Cody? Not that I'm, you know, uh, doubting that, uh. That wasn't the right move, but how how would you break down that news to your kiddo if that well, was the case? I wouldn't have a slight smile on my face first off because it's not funny. Well, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like yeah, son, like like Nick was literally just minding his own business, like walking around, and and then Jerry just like basically hollered it to him. He's like, hey oh, like bad news alert, bad news moment. I'd be like, son, I just got a call from. From the doctor who, who took a look at your knee and unfortunately you're gonna be out for the rest of the season it is a torn acl and i'm very sorry like bro there, there's there's a humane way of doing it and i just i don't know i jerry continues a streak of like i don't know maybe being extra for the camera or something but it still pisses me off that's probably what it is when you really think about it so yeah, and well, uh, Lavar Ball wouldn't do that. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, obviously. Well, I... <laughs> what? Well, because Lavar Ball is used to the freaking spotlight. Well, no. I I don't know. I here's the thing. <laughs> like in the very early days of the Ball brothers and whatnot, I kind of feel like he wouldn't. Like, if Lonzo was to tear his ACL at UCLA during March Madness and, you know, uh, their little show or whatever, Ball and the family was following them around, I really feel like he wouldn't have handled it the way uh, Jerry would have. Because that's pretty early on. I feel like most parents I... wouldn't handle it the way Jerry did, too. So Okay, yeah, that's that's a fair statement. Yeah, I don't know. Dang, it's I just can't like, believe you think LeVar would do that, Cody. Well, I just – I don't know. It doesn't really seem related, but – No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, just in general, like, he's a pretty – like, I'd say LeVar's a more outspoken guy than Jerry, but he wouldn't do what he did. Okay, okay. I see what you're trying to – okay, okay. I'm picking yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not yeah, just bringing Jerry, it up just to bring it up. Jerry has been some kind of other way basically this entire season and you know he he stays true to who jerry is all the way to the end where he's like oh come come on sit down sit down like bro i'm not telling my kid like what to do or how to feel you know it's like if you need space right now i understand if you need to talk i'm here for you if you need someone to cry to i'm here for you like 
just being completely level and frank with them, I think, is what you should do. Obviously, I'm not a parent, but like parenting that's advice what, from Cody. That, that's what my my folks would do. You know, like they'd just be like, "Hey, like th- this sucks to say, but you're not gonna play football for the rest of the year." Like they would just, you know, be level and like they would say it like it's bad news. I guess Jerry. It doesn't feel like Jerry says it like it's bad news. Well, looks like you're up. Like, okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but still, like, <laughs> I, I just don't like the way he delivered it and the way he acted afterward. Like his mom, I felt like was way more like in a the parent. right. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess. Yeah. Sure. No, you're right. You're right. Well. Not that this will help out Jerry's case, but uh, whenever Nick eventually got surgery, Jerry definitely took a selfie with him, you know, as uh, as you should, right? But <laughs> before <laughs> before he went in, and um, I don't know, I kind of focused on that maybe a little bit more than uh, how he broke it to him because I definitely wouldn't do that. I feel, but I don't know, maybe I've, maybe I've in seen, thirty I've years or that. okay, not thirty years, maybe in like twenty. Well, okay, twenty years is a little too soon. In twenty to thirty years, if my kid like has some sort of injury like that i don't know maybe maybe i will like take a picture like that but like i don't know just with this track record at in the moment it was like bro like come on man just could you like relax for a second please like i didn't mind that so much because like really yeah because well i guess it's like my in my family tradition like, we always take pictures of us at, like, urgent care or whatever whenever something happens. Okay. Um, just because, like... I'm not that, judging. I'm not judging, by the way. I by, do, I'm just saying okay. By that moment, it's, like... Or at least in our heads, like, that means that it's kind of settled. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you there. I don't know. I think part of it is because of his track record... Um, just being the way he is and that uh, that kind of just set me off i don't think i would take a picture like before the surgery you know because it's still yeah yeah yeah, okay i i was about to say i had to think about it a little bit more it's like none of it was ever before like our things granted it was nothing was ever as serious as a torn acl but still like you know waited until the job was done and you knew that like it was going to be fine you know so. Yeah, no, for sure. And I look, I understand pictures after, you know, yeah. because that's like, yeah. oh, a successful surgery. But like if you're taking it before, it gives off very, very like, you know, like, oh, pick Clouchy. me type of vibes. Yes. Jerry posted it to his Insta probably or something, bro. Yeah, well, Jerry's a pick me dad. Anyways, we'll leave that there. <laughs> but, well, we got, you know, Nick, Nick has, he didn't tear his MCL. Yep. which is good news. So, you know, he's going to be able to do basically like his off season workouts before Kentucky and whatnot. And, yeah. um, four months to recover as, is what they said. Yeah. As far as like recovery and stuff goes, it's not, obviously it's not the best case scenario, but for like a serious leg injury and, and one that he kept playing on, it's basically the best you could hope for. Like, it's yeah. kind of amazing that he kept playing, and didn't tear his MCL. Yeah, there's definitely an alternate universe where that probably happened. 
there's so a, there's a few alternate universes where that definitely happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, beforehand or whatever, whatever. Either way, season's over. Um, shoot, what comes next? Well, let's <laughs> oh, go. I see. Okay. Two Cardinal Gibbons, right? Yeah, so let's let's focus on the school because they make playoffs or sorry, not playoffs. They make state without Nick. So obviously that meant they beat American Heritage or uh, and we should have probably done our research on this before or American Heritage lost and they had to play the other scrub team that was like, you know, six ranks below them. So there you go. But either way, they make it. And uh, look. Florida football state playoffs are very different from Colorado football state playoffs. They're very different, in fact, from most football state playoffs. It's not an easy thing to lose your starting quarterback and then run the table and go to state and do all that stuff. And so it definitely brings up the narrative and the idea, like, you know, how how helpful was Nick really to the success of this Cardinal Gibbons team. Obviously, he helped them win that one game. Um, but, I mean, it really just came down to one throw. It wasn't like a series of throws that he had to make. It was that one throw deep that he made. Um, and I feel like any quarterback can make one good throw if it really comes down to it instead of like a series of good throws like a Spencer Rattler. Cody, what do you, before we head into the state championship game, what do you think about that sort of narrative here? Um, the narrative that, you know, this team would have been possibly better off if Nick wasn't playing because they did make state and whatnot. And I mean, at the very least, you know, they weren't really hurt by Nick not being there because they obviously made it to state. So all I'm going to say, and I and I believe it answers your question to a degree, is Pinnacle didn't make state without Spencer Rattler. And Warren Easton wouldn't have even made the playoffs without Lance Lejean. Uh, Yes, you're right. So we will leave it there then. But anyways, I make it to state. Um, I want to read off. Well, okay, I made a note here about the team mentor once again stepping up. And, you know, I okay, the team mentor, I'm not going to lie, has probably been one of the most valuable pieces of this cardinal gibbons team in the last uh how what is it and the last well okay i don't know how much it has been time-wise but in the last couple episodes at least because he comes up clutch again you know and he i personally loved it how he had them say their name and then he said they about to add champion to the end of their name or what what or to their name whatever so short and simple and then they go out there and they play and they put a whoop in on this team it's not even close um well, at least I don't think it's it really this game never really felt close at all. And, you know, they they beat him and they win state. We should probably talk about how this game went down too. But Brody back, went off. Yeah, no, he, he went crazy. Um, he had a very good game. And, you know, they here, let me see here. Sorry, I'm like jumping around and whatnot. You want to talk about the game? Yeah. Um. So, Go ahead. Um. like Simon said. Basically, Cardinal Gibbons was – there was no point in this game where it didn't feel like Cardinals Gibbons wasn't in control. You know, they, they controlled the tempo of the game. They controlled the ball. Their defense was swarming around and blowing up the other quarterback. The offense was driving, I'd say, 
like very meticulously is probably the way I'd say it because Brody basically you could tell that the game plan with Brody wasn't, you know, to call Nick Scalzo plays. It was to call quick hitters and Brody is good at doing his job is what I'll say. You know what I'm saying? Like once he's settled, right. What, Cause Brody kind of has an up and down reputation with the few times that he gets on the field, but you could tell that like once he settles in and like gets a feel for the system that he's fine. He'll hit the stick routes, he'll hit the out routes, he'll hit the slant routes, he'll hit the out routes, he'll hit the in routes. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing crazy. And, you know, he's just athletic enough to run some of their boots and some of their rollouts as well. So, like, you know, the Cardinals-Gibbons system works for Brody. I feel like, in general, you know, it seems like it's a pretty QB-friendly system as long as the QB runs it. <clears throat> Nick! But anyways, um, yes. <laughs> you know, Brody... Brody has a good game, and, you know, he, you could tell, like, the crowd is super into it. The crowd loves Brody, and everyone's hyping him up, and, you know, he comes out and he, and he delivers. And so, you know, he he has, like, a diving touchdown to essentially seal the game, and, you know, they end up walking away with a 20-10 to 10 win, I believe. And, um, you know, that, that last touchdown, like, it – it's not as like I'm pretty sure they were up like twenty to three, and then the other team got like a garbage time kind of touchdown. So sure, and uh, that's that was uh, Cardinal Gibbons' first state championship. Yeah, it, and it was. was Brody's. Yes, that's important to keep in mind because Nick definitely said at one point in this episode the team came together because of my injury. He told which... another like he told like. A ref or a reporter or someone like that, that quote, too. Like, yes. on, on the team's biggest stage, that's no place for him. Like, I'm sorry about your injury, but, like, crutch your ass over to the bench, bro, and, like, shut up and support your team. It's not about you. <sighs> Very self-centered moment. <laughs> Let's, uh, we, we've covered or we've been watching a lot of very toxic quarterbacks lately, I feel. And um and I'm talking about Malik Henry. That's that's what I mean there. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel like Malik wouldn't say that. No, Malik's just a dick. But Nick is self-centered. <laughs> like it's a <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah. Well, there you go. Either way, I don't like that because he's acting like the team wasn't gonna be anything without him, which they obviously were. You know, if you really, like, think back to the season, was there really any point where Nick made more than four or five good plays in a row that caused his team to win? Because the answer is no. When you look back at it, what it most likely looks like is that, oh, you know, Nick did not screw up one or two plays in a row, and that's how they won. So... Yeah, um, that's basically it, though, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, if um, Cardinals Gibbons faces Jay Sarah with Nick Scalzo, they probably lose by 30 points. Yeah, no, they get deflated. And Nick throws those. like four or five picks. But Nick will still be talking the same amount of trash as, uh, <laughs> as Spencer. <laughs> yeah, lol. Um, but that's, uh, that's basically... Um, Nick's Nick is the the first player that we see like because Spencer has been committed to OU for so long like he doesn't have like a signing day segment on his part 
but we get to see like Nick sign with Kentucky officially or whatever on national signing day. So his father is uh, very proud <laughs> as he should be. Um, that didn't mean to come off. <laughs> that sounded dude. dude like, the way you said, said that was like Jerry moment, but really it was. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, I, I didn't have any. His father's I, very proud. Well, she <laughs> is because he had that little, uh, I don't know. It's like a party, I think, at like, the end of this episode. Like a grad party maybe or something or a commitment party. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, probably a commitment party. Um, and he's all like, oh, Nick. Well, I, I thought it was kind of a touching note uh, moment, but he was talking about how Nick was you know, texting him how much he appreciated him and all that great stuff. Um, which is, you know, that's fine. So, yeah, but basically this is the end of Nick Scalzo's career. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about that more coming up in this next episode, but let's, let's get to the main event here. Lance Lejean, the last standing quarterback out of this trio in the playoffs, ready to do his thing. You ready to do this thing? Yes, sir. All right. So let's hit it. So straight off the bat. I got to say this whole montage uh, that they have of Lance and um, and Warren Easton going through the playoffs is straight fire. You know, they got the music chills right now. Yeah, no, it's like you get chills watching the whole thing. I'll I'll talk about my favorite scene here in a minute. But uh, basically, they have a first round by even though, you know, they struggled a little bit in the season, which I feel like. (laughs) <laughs> from an outside perspective it probably wasn't that bad there's there's just you know a higher pressure on them to continue to perform and you know make big plays and make big statements throughout the season and they missed a couple and they made some but altogether they still got a first round by which is you know that's what matters uh and so in the last episode we talked about how this is a team that uh, felt like they were beginning to lock in. That loss to Edna Carr, I want to say, was kind of a wake-up call that like rejuvenated them, like restarted the whole engine of this team, and now they're all clicking together. There's no clicking at separate parts. For the most part, they're clicking together, and it's apparent when they face... Did they face an undefeated team in the second round? Am I tripping? Yeah. No, sorry. Not, not the second round. Um, later in the playoffs, they do. But... In the second round, you know, obviously, if they're a playoff team, they're not like a scrub. They face two consecutive undefeated teams. Yeah, but they do that, uh, or before they do that, they put a whooping on this team and beat them forty-five to zero. Uh, pretty easy dub there. <laughs> they, they're they so dominant them. during this run. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then this next, this next scene is probably one of my favorite scenes. They're talking about like, oh, you know, they have all these fireworks and you know drums and like the blasting. So like they're they're all extra. You know, this is a team that has all the smoke, literally, and fireworks, and they're gonna be in your face about it. And they're that team that's gonna be rah rah, and they're gonna have that big entrance. And so you know, the coach, they're like, hey, you know, let's just walk in there and um. And put a whooping on him. And and all that's going to be for what? You know, it's going to be a waste, you know. And so they run up in there. They face off against them. And they put a whooping on them. I They didn't show the score. They just beat him pretty badly. Uh, and it's very apparent. And they get it done. And that's what matters. Because this is also a team that won 12-0. 
And so this was probably a huge statement dub here because it's like, all right, you know, forget all that rah-rah stuff. We're here to play football. And they did, and they put a whooping on them. That's what matters. And they go on to the next round where they face another team that is 13-0. And, geez, man, they they start molly-whopping them too, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, Warren Easton comes notes. out. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Cody. I, I was saying Warren Easton comes out to play. And they're basically invincible. And, you know, the the montages, you know, they're showing plays from everybody. But it's very obvious that Lance Lejean is is the GOAT right now. You know, he's playing like the Superman of of New Orleans and Louisiana. And, you know, there's a little scare. Bro, why are you highlighting this? (laughs) Uh, First off, they're up 40 to 7 when he gets hurt. But go ahead. (laughs) And so... Like, Lance goes down, and, like, everyone's freaking out, right? Like, the stands is quiet, and, like, the coaching staff is like, what's going on? And Munchie in the Munchie is about to leave the booth to go down to the field to check up on Lance because he's down. And then the, the coaches and players get over to Lance, and he starts to stand up, and he's like, kick me in my penis. And then, like... It all settles down, but, like, everyone – no one knows what's going on except for Lance. And then he stands up, and he sees everyone's freaking out. And he's, like, kind of laughing because it's not a big deal. So it's really that was, not. That was hilarious to see, especially because of how how Lance was laughing about it. Because he's like, damn, everyone's fired up, and all I did was get kicked in the balls. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, he also took kind of a nasty hit there, yeah, too. It, was like, a, it wasn't it was a, exactly like a – soft hit at all like he got he got lit up which uh we'll we'll come back to to the offensive line in a minute here but yeah yeah. no for for sure it was it was a big there's a reason for people to be concerned but then it was funny that like lance okay first off after a monster hit just like well he's like kind of down but then he like stands up kind of killed over and then he just like basically smiles and laughs at everyone's reaction because he's like bro i just got kicked in the penis Yes. Yeah, he's all he kicked me in the penis and like then they they all laugh about it and move on and you know basically finish wasting out the clock against this team that look every team that Warren Easton faced during this run until the championship you would think that they weren't even playoff teams with the way that Warren Easton just manhandled them. Yeah, they're on a mission for sure. They're definitely on a mission and that mission was to face off with Edna Carr in the Superdome, which is what they get. They get that matchup, uh, which is also what the rest of the state got um, because they've been wanting this matchup for a minute here. And so there it is. You know, they have that matchup in the Superdome with Edna Carr once again. And it is hype. It is an amazing game. The number one game of this series, IMO. Yeah, one of the top games that we've probably watched – together as a podcast absolutely absolutely and yeah. um oh wait but before though but and okay uh, obviously you have the other you know qb stories intertwined but uh they go back to scazo and rattler for a little bit right but right before they bring it back to lance after they show that montage of them just putting a whooping on everyone in the playoffs there's this very very good scene and, you know, you, I think you know the scene I'm talking about, Cody, because it gave you goosebumps. I could literally hear you um, or 
I don't know what I was trying to say there. <laughs> I could literally hear you uh, like exclaiming like, oh, like uh, when it happened. But it's that scene where they are showing the Superdome. It's like night, right? And then there's like a flash of lightning and thunder. You know what dude, I'm talking about? I know. Exa- dude, it's raising my hairs right now, dude. Yeah. Whoa! And that kind of sets the tone. And it's like, all right, they put a whooping on everyone. They took out the, their anger on a lot of teams here to get this matchup. This is the team they want. It would be a prob- it'd probably be a disappointing team if they got anybody else. So at this point, it's like, all right, like, honestly, like, but well, f- this team. You know what I'm saying? Like, we finna go in there and we go kick their ass and it's going to be a satisfying moment, you know? And this is an intense moment in the <laughs> a very intense moment in the entire series because you know um after they show that of the of the superdome that little scene there which is really good um it pans over to lance talking with this barber i want to say and they're talking about like destiny and having to make a point and being that dude and all that stuff it, it, and legacy you know it's it's a very intense moment like I mean, I guess if you were there, like in the barbershop, you probably wouldn't think too much about it. But like the way they framed it, it's just a very intense moment leading up to this state championship game against Edna Carr in the Superdome. Um, Battle for New New Orleans, you could say, or Battle for Louisiana. Either way, it's a big one. And so they're there. But a quote they said is that the minimum will get you into minimal place. That's something that somebody said there. And then... They pan into the game, and as you notice, the box isn't there. Cody made a made a note of that, actually. And so that's probably some foreshadowing. Uh, you know, that box. The By the way, the box with all the reasons why they play in this game and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's I kept, an important thing to going, keep in mind. Where's the box? Because like, it, it, like Simon brought up earlier, like I believe on our first episode... You know, that box is basically the intro to the show, more or less, and the cultural culture of Warren Easton. And they like they show it during important parts in the in the show. And then like I'm looking for I'm like, dude, where is the freaking box? But, you know, we'll yes. we'll reflect on that later and, and what that meant. But, you know, if you're a. If you're into foreshadowing or literary elements, I guess, and storytelling, uh, this means something to you. But if you just watch TV shows and you're just wanting to know who wins the game, we'll get you covered there. Um, Both ways. Do you wanna do you wanna cover the game? I'll I'll give you the honors of that. I uh, I made note by note each score. I think. Yeah 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 yeah. So the game lives up to the hype uh, in the short run. But so let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Lance Lejean, you know, he he knows that it is his job to win this game for Warren Easton, right? Like, it's all on him. He's Superman. And he comes out playing the role of Superman where he gets, like, uh, he, he has a huge completion down, I believe it was the right sideline or maybe, like, the, se- the seam on the right side of the field that gets him into the red zone. And then he scores a, a quick touchdown. They score kind of fast, honestly in this game and you know, they, they get it going and then their defense comes out and they get a huge stop on Edna Carr. And then Lance has a monster run from, I believe you said, it said 40 yards out here. So it was a long yeah. touchdown run, especially, and he's like weaving in and out of like tackles and stuff. 
and like putting on moves and just saucing these dudes. And well, you got to love the uh, Warren Easton kicker here, I guess, because they only have a 12-0 lead. But still, like it is everything is coming up Warren Easton. You're like, oh, they're about to do them like they did everyone else is kind of like the initial vibe. And that's the energy and the swagger that Warren Easton is playing with. Uh, yeah. Until, and, th- okay, I'm going to make a point after this game about Lance being the most important QB out of any one of these guys to his team. And and we'll, we'll talk about why. But so Lance, his ankle, he, he says it feels like it snapped. So obviously a very scary moment here. He has to leave the field. And for the one play, the one play that he leaves to get his ankle looked at and taped up, their freaking running back fumbles the ball. On the first play, he, t- he just muffs the snap, and Edna Carr gets it and scores a touchdown. Yeah. So Lance literally, it's like a parent not being able to leave the house because the kids start to burn it down immediately. Like, oh, my God, the incompetency shown by every other position in this. And so Lance comes back out, right? And like, oh, my God, bro. Literally, this offensive line is so dog water. Oh, my God. The line, for some reason, falls apart very quickly, even though they started off playing really good. Yeah. So, like, Lance, his mobility is now very limited, because his ankle is jacked up and it's basically held together by tapes and splints right now. And mm. he gets freaking crushed off the blind side and fumbles the ball. But like, okay, it goes down as a fumble on the land stat sheet or whatever, but that's on the O line, honestly, because that, that edge rusher comes completely free. Lance doesn't even have a full second to look up at his options. Like, yeah. in no in no universe do I think, like, any quarterback not named, like, Brett Favre probably gets this ball off. And it's an incompletion e- even in that scenario. So. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's, it's uh, jacked. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You could feel the momentum that they had because they punched them in the mouth scoring twice in a row so quickly, right? But you could feel that, like, go away. And not only does it go away, but it swings in the complete opposite direction in a very quick moment here. Um, Because in actual game time, this is probably like a two-minute, three-minute deal that all of this went down, which is wild. Yeah, no. Carr scores a lot of points very fast. And, you know, if if Warren Easton punched Carr in the mouth, Carr punched him right in the stomach and knocked the wind out of him and just completely kind of deflated this team, honestly. Yeah, and they're waiting to do this, too. Probably like like, uh, Warren Easton is a team. I think that it's not really on Lance, but a lot of these other players, they kind of they need to be playing with a lead to be playing their best is kind of the impression I've gotten from watching this season. Without Lance or with Lance? Without Lance, for sure. Okay. well, and even with Lance to like Lance got to kind of get them a lead for the defense to really be on their cues and for the like backs to really be on their stuff. Like very rarely do it does happen a couple times, but very rarely does someone step up when like they fall behind other than Lance. Fair enough. Um, this is 
probably a sign of a very emotional team, right? A team that yes. rides those emotional highs and lows. And, you know, that could be a good thing because you could have very high emotional highs, highs that are higher than anything you could get up to, you know, if you were just playing level-headed. But, you know, it shows why that's a problem as well because it also means at any moment you could fall off. And, I mean, I guess it makes the season more exciting to us. But as a coach, that's uh, you might as well call that fire you playing with because – <laughs> your team's as unpredictable as their emotions which is a i don't know it's it's an interesting spot to be in for sure um it's obvious though just straight up you know and we saw this in the last game it's obvious that this uh warren easton team is not better than this edna car team just like on paper and just looking at it they're just not better is that an outlandish statement or do you agree no i agree wholeheartedly and like you know, it it's like you said, the the highs are very high and they're fun, but the lows like you can't be having the lows as low as they are. You know, yeah. like I'm pretty sure that's why like the coach has been so frustrated basically this entire year is because he knew that, right? Like and he he knew it's one it's one of those things where it's like with certain squads, you know that emotions are running high, and so like you're basically trying to control a fire, you know, all the time. Yeah. All but it's time. also partly, I mean, it's not the coach's fault, but just the way he is. I mean, he's just one of those coaches, you know what well, I'm saying? That's like fired up. Yeah, no, it's, it's not his fault. And, and it's also the community and whatnot too. Like he's the perfect coach and you need an emotional coach for an emotional team. Yeah. For you know, sure. like uh, I, this coach handles it better than I think almost anybody could have for this team to get them as far as they do. Yeah, but um, well, let's get back to the game. Yeah, though. back to the game. I was about to say, as far as they do getting back to the game and, you know, they go into half cars up 14 to 12. And so Lance, like this is, you know, everyone, this is the moment everyone's been talking about all season. Right. You know, all the coaches are like this is you. This is 12. Like, go out and let's let's get it done. Yeah. And Lance just get out there, you know. Yeah. And Lance. Okay, so Carr gets the ball, and, and they end up scoring, and it's 21 to 12, right? Lance is getting – like, there's literally just a montage of Lance getting killed on every – every single play. He's getting rocked. Oh, yeah. And it's like, – I think this, it's worth crap. mentioning as well. Um, like, at halftime, he was – it was very obvious that he was hesitant to go out there um, because he was hurting, you know? And I think it was only a high ankle sprain, but – that's a very uncomfortable injury to be playing with. I know especially when we covered last quarterback. Yeah, especially for a running quarterback. I know when we covered last chance you for Rajon, it was a very similar situation where he felt like he like snapped his ankle. That's what he was saying, and that's what Lance Osa said. But it was it was just a high ankle sprain, and that's uh, that's tough. You know what I mean? And so to know that to be to know that you're hurt first off. And then to know how talented your offensive line is, it, obviously anybody I feel like would be a little hesitant to go back out there against one of the best teams in the state and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to forget that this team like freaking thrashed me in the second half of the last game we played against them because my line is incompetent and whatnot. And, and at this point too, it's going to hurt more because I'm hurt. You know what I'm saying? 
So yeah. just you gotta keep that in mind. But yeah, you're right. He does and get thrashed almost on every his, play. And he's thinking about his personal future a little bit too, as you know, you you kind of have to from time to time. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, but he comes out and God dang it, man. If he doesn't show up, he makes a touchdown throw on fourth and 16 and he gets rocked on this play too. Like it showed the third and 16 and he got rocked and it shows the fourth and 16 and he got rocked, but he completes, it was a dime too. I might add. Oh, it was a great throw. Like, oh my God. Like. We talk <laughs> Simon. <laughs> he mentioned, what? you know, Nick Scalzo comes in and he makes like a throw that's cool. Lance is making multiple throws, plays, and runs during this entire game. Like literally, Warren Easton isn't isn't even like scoring a single point without Lance Lejean in this game. Yeah, he's making it happen at this point. It's you know he's leaving it all out on the field, and there's no doubt about it after that throw. Yeah, as far as like. You know, it's hard for someone to carry a team in a 22-man sport, but uh, Lance is carrying the hell out of this Warren Easton team right now. Yeah, emotionally and obviously physically by making plays. Him being out there uh, is definitely, you got to keep this in mind, it's definitely like, a, you know, an, um, an emotional raiser for this team, a morale raiser for this team, because, you know, this is a squad that feels like, all right, as long as we have Lance out here, we'll be good, even if he is hurt. And obviously, it shows that they are good when he's out there, you know? Yeah. And so, and when he's out there, because Carr goes and scores another touchdown. Um, so, they're up 28 to 20 at this point because uh, Warren Easton got the two-point conversion. I don't know if I mentioned that. But yeah, it's 21 to 20. Carr scores 28 to 20. So, it's a one-score game with a two-point conversion. And arguably, one of the most heads-up like clutch instinctual plays of the entire show happens when Lance is getting like Lance is fighting off like one or two dudes tackling him and he has his running back to his left and he flips the ball from his right to his left hand and does a quick pitch out to his tailback who makes a big play and picks up a first down and some and Lance gets like crushed so hard by two or three defenders that his helmet pops off. Yeah, like two of them were behind him. And then I think a linebacker came up and popped him from the front, I want to say. Oh, he was and, getting dragged down. And he gets landed on by all three of them, basically. Yeah, like he gets like he gets like smacked pretty. This is probably one of the hardest hits of the entire game. This is one of the hardest hits, I'd say, of the entire series, honestly. That There's team. like over a thousand pounds of force just coming straight for Lance Lejean between velocity and freaking impact. So... But he, um, you know, so his helmet pops off. And if you're familiar with the rule, if your helmet comes off, you have to exit the field for one play. Just and, uh, that's all that Edna Carr needed to strip the ball from Lance's sorry teammates. Again. God damn, Again. bro. <laughs> so sorry. They're so sorry without Lance. Sorry to anyone listening with headphones, but oh my god, I was so mad. I couldn't wait to talk about this because holy shit, no one has ever fumbled the bag so hard other than the skill position players. Your job is to hold on to the ball. He's off the field for one play. Literally the only thing that you have to not do is fumble. 
And that's exactly what they did. Um, yeah, they probably could have taken a knee and been better off at this point. They probably would have muffed the snap knowing these sorry, bro. Well, yeah, but that's another huge momentum swing where, ah, uh, man, it, it just looks like it's over at this point. But it's not quite over um, because I think they do get one more chance. Right, Cody? I mean, the defense seals him up and Lance comes out with 52 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah roughly a minute yeah. left. Yeah, there's about a minute, which driving from like the 20, you know, with 52 se- seconds is it's a tall order for any quarterback on any level. Yeah. I should throw up there. But this is a doable. It could be worse. It could be 20 seconds from where they're at, you know, so it could be worse. And I think they have a timeout as well. Yeah, but, you know, it, you could tell that the toll ha- had reached Lance on his ankle and Carr kind of caught on because, you know, he can't really plant and throw the ball super deep. Yeah, because they um, were calling a lot of screens up until this point. Yeah, and so they they do they do call another screen here because I guess the skill position players make plays sometimes or whatever. And, um, well, he... he he just he throws a pick straight to a defensive lineman off of his back foot with a defender in his face, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, arguably one of the most heartbreaking endings to uh, to a football game. Yeah, there's no um, no storybook ending here, uh, courtesy of fumbling idiots on Warren Easton, basically. Um, yeah, I mean Lance, he did look, he did throw he the game-ending pick and sure. had a fumble, but still like. You still he feel like he it should wasn't not his be fault. in that situation. Yeah, no, for sure. You still feel like it wasn't his fault for losing the game because he did so much to like emotionally will himself to stay in, and then he still made plays. You know, like if they don't, if that skill position guy doesn't fumble it on the one play that lances out, they're gonna score on that drive. Well, on the two plays. Well, I, I'm saying on the like the second to last offensive drive with momentum. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they're on a mission on that. And, like, Lance has an insane pitch play. Like, they're scoring on that drive. Yeah, that was a willpower play right there. Like, I – seriously, if you don't want to watch any other episode, literally just watch episode 10 and watch the Warren Easton-Edna card game. It's a – as NCAA uh, archives on uh, their football games, which are coming back, would tell you, instant classic. Yeah. But not in the way you'd like, because they yeah. did lose. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's and a, the car three peats, right? Yeah, basically, so you know they nobody beats them again, and that's uh, that's how it stays for this season at least, which is really sad when you think about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just watching this game in general, like. You, you you can't blame Lance. Like, of course, you could be like, oh, yo, he, he had two turnovers. Like, sure, yeah, he had two turnovers. But, like, there's worse situations you could be in. He put this team in a position to win time after time, you know. Um, emotionally, he was out there. You know, he's he's an emotional leader that leads, right? And this is a team that believes in him and believes that as long as they have him out there, they'll be okay. And so that allows everyone else to have some sort of peace and do their job. Um, well, everyone except for that running back. Also, okay, okay, okay. I, I'm going... I don't know. 
I'm going to call out the coach here a little bit, but how do you not have a backup quarterback like at all? Yeah, especially with somebody like Lance who has an injury history, right? Well, yeah, not even just Lance, but just knowing the kind of line you have, like, you know, like you they're not a good offensive line. Go. What? Is that you should have eight quarterbacks ready to go, Lamau? Yeah, you got to have somebody – you got to have somebody – and you got to, like, prepare them at least, especially if it's a state championship game, you know what I mean? And so I mm, – I don't know. Like, this – watching this game again, I, like, watched it, and I'm like, they really – I don't know. Maybe they they just didn't put that running back in a great spot. Like, I feel like he's not used to taking those kind of snaps, anyways. Obviously, don't fumble it, right? Like, that's still the um, the mainstay. That's still the standard. But I mean, if you're gonna put him in that position two times in a row, like you might as well have a quarterback ready to go that you could run normal plays with, just like Cardinal Gibbons. As much as that pains me to say. Well, it's definitely it's definitely just one more fumbling of the bag, isn't it? It, But anyway, yes, yes, it's a it's a theme throughout this Warren Easton season, fumbling. But uh, that does it for the Warren Easton story, and um, this is the only. Well, and and we get to signing day where Lance has. You know, he, he's dripped out, and uh, this is the one that we didn't know up until – well, I mean, we knew it because we're in the future, but from a TV show watching perspective. Yeah, I didn't, didn't know, know it in the moment when I watched it the first time. Yeah, so Lance committed to Maryland, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll touch up on that actually coming up next where we go into where are they now? Where are they now? What's well, good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We are here to kind of wrap up our thoughts here about QB1. This was season three, starring Spencer Rattler, Nick Scazzo, and our boy Lance Lejean. So real quick, we're going to talk about where they're at now. And so I'm going to go ahead and get it started with Lance, actually. So as we discussed and uh, talked about before, actually, in previous episodes, he is currently over at – or okay, sorry, not currently over, but he started over at Maryland, all right? And I feel like he really wanted to go to Maryland because, you know, the former OC of Alabama, he went over there, and he's now the head coach. And a lot of players like this dude. Like he's a very well-liked dude uh, in the community, uh, I guess in the college football community here. And so Lance went there with the idea that he could possibly start his freshman year, if not his sophomore year at the latest. What he didn't keep in mind was that Talia Tagovailoa, which is Tua Tagovailoa's uh, brother, a uh, little brother that is, would transfer from Alabama to Maryland following his former offensive coordinator and basically take over the job and Talia Tagovailoa is is a very good player you know he's not a scrub at all 
you know, this is a guy who uh, is probably a first to second round type of guy, in my opinion, as of right now. Maybe at the worst, fourth or fifth round type of guy in the NFL draft. But he's a very good player. That's the point of it. Um, but he transferred and was it Louisiana Lafayette? Was Is that right, Cody? Yes. The Ragin' Cajuns. Yes. So the other school in Louisiana, which is still D1. Want to say FCS though? Well, no, they're not FCS. They they might be Group of Five. Maybe I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Either way, um, he transferred this last year. I think that's important to keep in mind. And so, we he's probably gonna start uh, over over there at Louisiana Lafayette in this upcoming season. And I believe Whoa. he's still what? UL has a, a senior quarterback who's been a two-year starter. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just he saying there's competition. Play. There's competition. Yeah, there's competition, but we'll still see. Lance still has, I want to say, three years of eligibility because this last year didn't count. Yeah, three years. Um, maybe actually even four. I, 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 I need to take a look at that. Either way, he still has a lot of years left, even if he doesn't start this year. He has at least two. So... He'll be fine there. I'm not, like, completely worried about Lance there. I think he'll do his thing over there. Uh, Cody, is there anything else you want to um, add on when it comes to Lance here? Uh, just in the very limited, limited action that we've seen from Lance, he's, like, 12 of, like, 16 or something like that in his career so far with two picks and, like, 90-something yards. And uh, he also has... um. Um, what am I saying here? He he's rushed for over a hundred yards on like thirteen carries, so still a very dynamic runner. Um, yeah, and athletic. So obviously, I hope that this works out. You know, out of um, all the all the players on the show, I I really liked Lance and his story probably the most. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that he has a lot to play for, and so you know, I'd I'd love to see him tear it up to to a point where he can make it to the league or something like that so yeah so he, he has plenty of time um there are other qb1 candidates who are in much worse situations for sure uh but cody do you want to go ahead and touch on nick scazzo here real quick yeah speaking of worse situations so nick got to kentucky and tore his acl again um so he missed the entire 2019 season he hasn't even thrown a pass for Kentucky in a game, I'm pretty sure. So there's definitely, like, quite a few question marks, I'd say, for Nick Scalzo and, like, his timetable to even play for Kentucky. Um, I mean, but we – I don't know. I kind of assumed that he wouldn't play anyways. Well. We'll see. Uh, he did. He okay. did. He did put his name in the transfer portal for a second. Um, when? Uh, earlier this year, in like January. Or wait, it's, yeah, it's 2021, isn't it? Yeah, he put yeah. it in there for a second and he pulled it back out. Okay. Well, he's doing his thing over there. Uh, not a lot of surprises. I don't think he's gonna start at any point. To be honest with you. Anywhere, maybe in FCS, because that's the talent I think he is. But that's about it. So yeah, um, 
Do you want to talk about your boy Spencer Rattler? He's obviously at Oklahoma. Obviously didn't start his first year there because uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts yeah. was a Heisman candidate. So. Yeah. so you can't even get mad at that. But that was kind of expected, though. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I'd say, like, an interesting first year. Um, for, Would you for say – sorry, go ahead. For him this first year. Obviously, there are some disappointments. Um, losing to Kansas State is never great. Um, but I'd say that down the stretch of the season, things started clicking really well. And he, you know, lit it up against um, Florida in that last game. So um, that get that was definitely encouraging to see. Uh, you know, it, there, sure. it was up and down. But overall, you know, he had a good season. And I think that, you know... That OU's in a good spot, honestly, with him, and that he he can easily contend for the Heisman this next year. I think that part of it, this first year um, starting, didn't go as according to plan. I definitely think you could see, like, you know, maybe, like, COVID impacting, like, chemistry earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, they he him and the Sooners eventually overcame a lot of things. Like, we lost to Iowa State earlier in the season – and then, you know, which is a good them. squad, by the way. Yeah, which is a very good team. Um, but then we beat them, you know, basically at the peak of their powers later in the season, right before we faced Florida. I believe we won by like a touchdown, maybe even a little bit less. Maybe it was like six points, but we beat them um, in in a very tight game where Spencer. Uh, I mean, he he did his thing. He made a lot of completions is what I'll say. You know, he didn't light up the scoreboard, but, you know, he kept the ball moving consistently and keeping plays alive is what he did. Fair enough. Um, Also, kind of on an unrelated playing note, uh, he did end up leading a lot of the BLM and uh, protest rallies over at Oklahoma as well as a leader. Which you love to see. Yeah, as a leader – um off the court for sure which is which is awesome so, yeah. yeah so i'm very excited i i think ou you know has uh with spencer rattler and you know just with the uh program that we have over there with with riley that you know a there's a strong chance that rattler wins a heisman before he leaves because well we're quarterback you and um well he should win a heisman at yeah least. Because I think he's the leading contender right now, according to most betting sites. According to most betting sites? Okay. Yeah. But obviously, I would prefer us, you know, it'd be nice to have a Heisman again, which is cool and all. But, like, get us into the playoffs and let's win more than – let's win. Let's win. We haven't even been to the actual (laughs) shit because we get freaking stomped. It's not Jalen Hurts' fault, by the way, that we faced LSU. But, like – Or Kyler Murray's that y'all faced Alabama. Yeah. So – but we have to – Somebody's got to get us over the hump, and I hope that it's Rattler. Yeah. OU, I mean, OU has been around for the playoffs. Basically, you know, they're if they're not in the playoffs, then they're in the conversation basically every year since it started. So yeah, because they're the representative from the Big Twelve. Yeah. So I, I love to most of the time. Sorry, what? Like they're usually the assumed representative from the Big Twelve. Yeah, but I'm kind of tired of just getting there into the playoffs and then not doing anything. So, yeah, big Bengals vibes. Anyways, <laughs> that's that's rich. That's rich coming from 
from a Steelers slash Texans fan. Or well, Texas fan. I am not a Texans fan. <laughs> or Texas. I, yeah, well, go Mustangs as an SMU, baby. But anyways, um, Spencer is uh, obviously, as far as going to the next level, in the best spot of any of these quarterbacks. Um, it's not even close, really, because basically he's been destined to go to the NFL since high school, kind of like your Trevor Lawrence's or your Justin Fields, I'd say. Yeah, um, for sure. As far as trajectory goes. So and uh, at, at some point coming up, you know, Simon and I, not on this episode, but uh, on some episode, one of us or both of us will break down the films of these quarterbacks as well as some other players from Last Chance U. Or not Last Chance U, but Mal. Well, we'll do that too. Uh, spoiler alert. We'll do that too. But uh, from QB1, you know, we love to do some breakdowns on some of these more college guys and, you know, look at their high school and college film and kind of break it down. So. Yeah, exactly. But uh, with that being said, so we talked about where those players are at now. Um, you know, obviously, we wish them all the best of luck. Let's talk about some takeaways from QB1. And there are a lot. Obviously, we talked about our takeaways episode by episode. But um, you, how about this? Cody, what was the biggest takeaway that you had from QB1? The biggest the biggest takeaway I have from QB1. Oh, man. I'm asking you this because I don't know mine. Well, actually, yeah, I, I, kinda, yeah. I, 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 I say I, I, I got what? some. I got something. I'd say it's not all about you. Yes. <laughs> like, no, no, no. But really, really, especially with with these guys and with these characters and with these quarterbacks this year, you you have a lot of push and pull and like contrast with, you know, somebody like Spencer, who is a team player and like barely and then nick who's like a record hunter and then lance where you know everybody does make it about him but he doesn't really you know make it all about himself and you know it's like different ways of handling that you know it's all about them while simultaneously there's a balance right as far as you know like spencer right he does a great job of firing his team up making plays when he needs to calling his teammates up and you know but also, at the same time, you know, you see JD put him in check. And, you know, you could say that his ineligibility is a selfish thing to do. Like, whatever he did to okay. put his team in that position, potentially, uh, was a selfish thing to do. Sure. But we don't know what that thing is, though. We don't know what that thing is, but it, it's a conversation to have that, you know, it's not all about you, but you're what you do has impacts that are bigger than you. Okay. And, yeah. and walking that line. And you can see this with, with Nick Scalzo. It's not all about you because, well, your team won a chip without you and you need to figure that out. Like, like when, when it's been about you, y'all lose basically, or you're beating up some sorry team. Like the most selfless ball that Nick played was when his leg was hurt. When he wasn't playing. No, like his. Oh, like are his you team. talking about the game, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I those deep shots kind of. It rubbed me a little bit wrong. I don't know if that's the most selfless play that he could be making because I feel like he was definitely trying to get a big play, 
and that's why he went to the same you know receiver same play like two times in a row I think he I think he was just trying to get out of there alive and and win the game like I don't think it was necessarily about Nick I guess so I don't like know. it was more about getting to the next week Sure. I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, sure. No, I, I got you. I got you. I think first off, it's very hard to like this dude, Nick. Like I like I'm just going to be honest. Like I I try not to clown on him, but that's just where I'm at right now. And I think that's where I'm going to stay. Honestly, I uh, just shoot. I, I don't know, bro. Like he just doesn't do anything that like I don't know. He just doesn't do anything that makes you feel good about, like, his game, I guess. Like, he just – I'll just always remember him kind of as a more selfish type of player. Yeah, no, in general, for sure. And, yeah. like, you know, if I'm a if, if I'm an NFL scout looking at QB1 and getting the inside look to Nick Scalzo, yeah, like, right. I know what it is behind the scenes. Like, you know, because they do interviews uh, of these players, right, um, yeah. where they get to talk to them and get to know them as a person. And, well, now I know, as, as a scout or a coach or what have you, that Nick knows how, how to doll up for the interviews. He knows how to answer the questions, but does he follow through with that? And it's like, as a coach, like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to deal with this headache of trying to get Nick to do what I need him to do. Like, bro, you're not you're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Like, You're right. <laughs> there's quarterback there's even in the NFL itself there's very few quarterbacks that should have you know that high level of autonomy I'd say that like Nick was trying to do in high school and failing at yeah no so for if he sure that he's gonna come in here and be like Brett Favre meets Peyton Manning he's not and you know I don't need that toxicity on my team obviously yeah no for sure and I think that kind of leads me to my, I guess, main takeaway when it comes to all this. And one of it is, you know, know your role. Not only your role, but know who you are <laughs> as a player as well. Um, it's very obvious that Spencer knew his role. It's obvious that Lance knew the role. That's why, you know, their team bought into them and bought into their leadership and all that. Um, Nick, I feel like, doesn't know his role, doesn't know really what his teammates think about him. And so he was just kind of in an awkward spot all season trying to be something he wasn't. And it really wasn't until, like, he wasn't there until, like, this group really took off and reached their full potential. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes, you you know, as much as you want to be that rah-rah guy who makes all the big plays, you got to know that you aren't. <laughs> and, like, let the real playmakers go to work. Because sometimes you're a bigger detriment, detrimental to the team than, you know, if you are one of those guys. Know Just what step I mean? back in the pocket and complete passes. Exactly. You can, he, you can bro, still he be that had, guy. You could, oh, yeah. He could still be that guy, right? It just like won't he, be 40-yard touchdowns. Like, you don't need to be going deep passes every, every play. You can make plays by completing nine passes in a row and getting in the end zone. Yes. Like, that's all there there is to it. So, you know, just like you said, know your role. Your role is the quarterback. It's not the running back. For, yeah, and for don't, be don't be afraid to, 
you know, accept one of those roles either. You know, that's life. Like sometimes you just ain't going to be that guy and you got to play your game. And those are the kind of players that coaches want. You know, Gardner Minshew, I feel like has a very similar skill set to a Nick Scalzo. But the difference is that Gardner Minshew is self-aware. Yeah, he knows that he's a meme. He's a what? A meme. Yeah, I mean, but that's his person. But also, like, you know, like I'll I could see a team rallying around Gardner Minshew than Nick Scalzo. They have done it before. Yeah. And, you know, Gardner, he isn't the most talented, like, strongest arm or whatever, but, like, he gets the job done, you know. Um, and, well, and, you know, can't help that he's on the Jaguars and they bench him for, like, four other incompetent quarterbacks. I don't know why they did that. But, you know, just in general, like, you see guys like Gardner Minshew who aren't as talented still find a way to get done. Even a Lance Lejean, who isn't as talented as a Spencer Rattler. And obviously, you know, you could argue, oh, if Spencer was in the playoffs, what would happen and whatnot. But, like, the fact of the matter is that he wasn't in the playoffs and Lance was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that ultimately helped his team. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it was what it was, but his team failed Spencer. Or sorry, uh, Lance's team failed Lance, you know, but Lance knew his role, did what he could. Um, Spencer, I mean, I feel like he knew his role for the most part and did what he could. And there are a lot of moments where he just kept his team in there because they had a a lot of tough games. His role is that guy, and he is that guy. Yeah, but he doesn't get passive, which is the thing, because there are some quarterbacks who, you know, get a little passive. Like, they feel like, oh, well, you know, I got to trust my team a little bit more, which is not a bad thing, but there always comes a point where it's like, all right, well, you know, if I'm that dude, then I need to make it happen. No excuses. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing there, not being, you know, not being afraid of the role you might have to play and doing what you got to do to help your team, because I think ultimately, you know, that'll... I mean, winning is never a bad thing. True. I so. um, I wanted to add on one more thing that I think that we here at Playmakers Corner have made pretty obvious, especially with our interviews, but support systems. Yes. Um, trying to control your support systems and understand what you need from them the most. Because if you look at all three of these quarterbacks, I'd say Nick Scalzo's support system is one of the weaker Worse. ones emotionally and mentally because no one keeps him in check. Basically, one assistant coach the entire season was like, hey, stop doing that and just play football, you know? And then you have, like, versus, and his teammates are like, yeah, like, carry us to this win. And his dad is like, yeah, call whatever plays you want. You're that guy. That's my son. You know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And the entire community, like, mentors and Pastorbys and pastors like are all like, yeah, Nick, just go be the best football player on the planet. And you don't see anybody at Pinnacle doing that with Spencer. No. Who is the best quarterback in the country at this point? Yeah. Like and you I, don't see that with on. anybody else. So like Spencer's Spencer's system keeps him grounded. His parents are super down to earth people who, you know, have provided him with both the financial opportunities and, you know, provided mentally and emotionally for him there and have kept him in check. You know, JD keeps Spencer in check. His, like, his offensive coordinator, they have, like, you know, like a legitimate football relationship where they both contribute 
to talking to each other and they're both like, hey, my bad or hey, we should do this or look at this, you know, like it's a very football relationship. Nick doesn't really have that with his head coach, his OC. I don't know if they have a quarterback's coach. Like he's almost never talking football. Not the way that Spencer is, I'd say. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, even Lance, because like Lance is like listening a lot, you know. Uh huh. He's not really contributing on it, but like his OC is like, hey, do this, or his coach is like, hey, what are you doing this for? Do this instead, and then it's like, oh, all right, like, you know, and Lance's support system is really good because you know it's very strong in community. You know, his his co everyone holds Lance to a high standard, but like. Lance isn't it doesn't get to Lance's head, I think, is the thing, because they know that, you know, they know that he needs the positive reinforcement and that's why they give it to him. Versus Nick, where it's like he needs to be brought back down. So it's all about, like, knowing your support system and your support system, knowing you more importantly, I'd even say, and what you need. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's also important to keep in mind as well, just because your support system is telling you you're doing all the right things doesn't always mean you're doing all the right things. You know what I mean? It is very possible for both you and your support system to be delusional. And, you know, I I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm sure – look, I'm just going to be honest. There's definitely – there's probably been a point where Nick was all like, oh, I feel like this isn't right. You know, and he – did not lean into that intuition and instead leaned into what everyone else has to say about him. At the end of the day, you know, you got to know as a, you got to be self-aware as a quarterback. You know, I think that's always going to be the biggest thing here. Like you can't just be going around thinking like you God's gift, losing your team games and whatnot. And you know, that's a humility thing. That's a thing where you need to be humble and check yourself and be like, am I doing all the right things here? Forget what everyone has to say about me. Am I doing the right things? Are we winning? You know, am I making stupid mistakes? Am I helping out my teammates? Like, am I, especially as a quarterback, because you're passing the ball all the time. Like, am I putting them in positions to win and to succeed? Or am I putting them in positions to get killed and for us to lose anyways? You know, I feel like that should be a very obvious thing. Like, you should know if you are putting your team teammates in good positions and, you know, and if y'all are winning. You know, and if you're not, then maybe you got to look at yourself and be like, okay, what am what do I need to do differently? Do I need to chill out here or do I need to keep pushing the gas pedal? You know, and unfortunately, Nick Scalzo was not aware, self-aware enough to know like, hey, I just need to trust my teammates because this is already a good enough team. Yeah. So I don't know. Self-awareness is an important thing. And like I said, just because everyone else is telling you the things you want to hear and saying all these good things about you doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't make that right. Because there are plenty of quarterbacks who I'm sure could play the victim card and be like, oh, my line ain't blocking. My receivers ain't catching. My running backs ain't doing anything, you know. There are plenty of times Lance could have said that, and we wouldn't have blamed him. Lance but as you notice, he didn't. Lance could have said it all season, bro. Wait, but what? he never even – I'm saying Lance could have said it all season. Yes. And even the other quarterbacks will call out their defense, but Lance didn't even do that, I don't think. I don't even think he called out his defense one time. Nope. Or, like – tried to pick on them you know he he all he would say is like like we need to stop you know which is inoffensive entirely and just a statement so yeah for sure you can't blame him on that and so them because they're right they do need to stop i think one thing he said that came close to that was um telling his offensive line not to you know not to not to quit on him 
Which is just like game. quarterback pep talk to the line. Yeah, it could be worse. It could like, be Nick complaining his, about it. Yeah, he's not going to his coaches or other players and being like, bro, my line sucks. He goes straight to the line and says, like, I need you. You know, he empowers them and he calls yeah. them up. Well, and they still let him get destroyed. But like, yeah, yeah no, please. for sure. But that's yeah. that's something you live with. All the decisions Lance made, I truly believe like you could live with that as a player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like I just I don't know. I don't really blame him for that. And that's doing it the right way and being self-aware of your surroundings and whatnot. So I don't know. And, and accountability too. accountability always matters. But I feel like we mentioned that a lot. Yeah, we, we've been talking about accountability. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on something earlier that I mentioned in the last segment about yeah. Lance being the most important quarterback to their team. Obviously, like we understand why it's because, well, Nick, his team literally wins the state championship without him. So like that speaks for itself, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. in the game for Warren Easton too. Lance is literally not on the field for two plays, and on those two plays, you know, his his teammates turn it over. Yep. So. And it could be, like, you know, a momentum-of-the-moment type of deal. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's a state championship game, so nerves could be in there as well. But, I mean, those are two pretty big swings, though, you know, without your leader. Absolutely. And then with with – uh spencer's situation obviously you know spencer's there then they probably make state or something like that but at pinnacle they have jd johnson you know like i don't even know the backup's name at warren easton slash do they even have a backup they went into wildcat when lance was out both times so like what the hell you know yeah Um, but i don't know i guess that's just how it goes and so all right, I, I I got some I got some questions here, you know, some things to help kind of wrap this up. But uh, first off, I want to ask you, Cody, in this entire series, out of the three quarterbacks, who was your favorite character slash quarterback to follow, and why? I'm gonna say Lance Lejean. Now I do okay. want to put out there, Spencer Rattler is my boy. Like Boomer yes. Sooner, baby. You know, like we finna ride this season, but. You don't really get a lot of Spencer after, like, episode eight. Yeah, and it's a ten-episode thing. So, like, you know, that's quite a – that's a huge chunk where I see more Lance. But uh, the the times where Spencer was on was probably the most fun I had, but I enjoyed Lance's story the most. I enjoyed that, you know, coming from that, that tougher background and and that community aspect and doing it for the culture, you know more than anything and Karen putting the city on your back too and putting your area on the back like I really I really like that and it's one of my favorite stories just in general and you know I I just I just like his his mentality and like his you know his accountability is absurd high too um like he he never danced around anything and he's almost like over accountable that's not like really a thing but you know what i mean like that one game where he had three picks and like two of them were tipped up but he's it was still they lost because of lance's mistakes and i'm sure that with the state championship you know he he was probably on that same wavelength where it's like if i didn't leave the field for those two plays 
we'd have been all right. Or if I didn't throw that last pick, you know, like Lance is going to improve because of the way that he works and the way that he operates. And I think that given more of a chance, which I think he'll have here at Louisiana and, you know, that just having that working relationship. And I think being back home will help too. Yeah. Just a little bit like back in, you know, at least the same state. Cause like Louisiana to Maryland is a huge jump of not only location, but culture too. And so he's definitely the one what like, I know Spencer will be all right. If Nick doesn't make the league, then whatever. He'll be fine. <laughs> you know, he has generational wealth. Like, whatever, bro. Yes. But, like, Lance is in a position where, like, literally everyone around him or everyone that he ever knew is going to be better off if he makes it. And, and I think it'll bring him, like, a, a piece, too, um, to just, you know, overcome all of these odds. So that's that's who I'm rooting for the most. I'd say as far as like things to work out for. What about you, Simon? Spencer Rattler is my favorite easily. And I, <laughs> and he, I think he's my favorite because I definitely went into this thing looking for a reason to hate this dude. Like I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Like I did, like I went in looking like, Oh, this dude, like I fully expected this guy to be acting the way Nick Scalzo did the entire season. Um, just from, you know, just from what I've seen on social media and, you know, he's an OU guy and all that. And, uh, you know, there's a natural uh, rivalry there. And so I definitely went into the season looking for multiple reasons to hate this dude. Like I was about to nitpick this dude because I remember and I think part of it was because last season I didn't expect to not like Justin Fields. I actually wanted to like him a lot, but he gave me more reasons to dislike him <laughs> than than I don't know. And looking back, you know, it's probably not as bad because Nick Skiles is definitely the guy I hate the most in this entire series. Not just this season, but the last three seasons um, easily. There's no doubt about that. Like, he's just not likable, you know. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, Spencer Rattler is my guy. Uh, love his personality. He seems like a really cool dude. He seems like a guy that could galvanize um a locker room really you know and you don't see that every day it's not every day you see guys or you get to see guys like this like just be who they are and galvanize a locker room be charismatic and do it all naturally because it's just him being him like he's not putting up a front there's just who he is as a player a confident dude some may see as you know cocky and whatnot but at the end of the day he finds a way to get it done and he still holds himself accountable and others as well and so i think as much as I love Lance, too, because Lance is my guy as well, I think this season's probably the best because you had two excellent quarterbacks and Rattler and Lance who off, you know, who offset a Scalzo, which I think is a great, um, you know, it's a great dynamic there. But I think uh, as great as Lance was, I really like Spencer Rattler partially because of where I was at with how I viewed him at the beginning of this show. Um, and then now I'm here at the end, you know, and uh, I, this is like my fourth or fifth time rewatching it. And I still feel the same way. It's like, oh, this dude, Spencer, he's a cool dude. Like, like I'd buy this guy's jersey, you know, straight up uh, for whatever team he goes to. Yeah, like I'm I'm a no, very buy, big buy fan. No, buy an OU Rattler jersey. No, because those don't really exist. Not a legitimate one. <laughs> um, also, I'd never rep OU unless it's my own kid going there. Kid or kids, whatever. So there you go but no uh, wherever he gets drafted i'm probably go buy a jersey i'm not like even if it's 
like a Ravens or I don't know why he'd go to the Ravens. I don't know why he'd go to anywhere in the AFC North, to be honest with you, outside of the Steelers, because it doesn't make sense for the Bengals, Browns, or Ravens to draft him. He's uh, going to the Denver Broncos. I'd buy that jersey. It you know, it'd yeah. have to be a clean jersey, but you know. Actually, okay, so the changing topics a little bit, but touching on something that you talked about. Okay. Now, obviously, you've been mentioning the other seasons throughout, you know, just this whole series that we've done in this recap. But how does this season compare to those other seasons? What were some things that you liked more about this one? And what are some things that you maybe didn't like as much about this one compared to the other ones? Yeah, so this is definitely the best season of QB1. If you're going to watch it, like the show at all, this is probably the uh, the season to watch. Also, it's the only season that you could watch on Netflix, which is partially a good thing right now. Um, I think the first season was good for sure. You know, you had players like they were good. Like you knew they were good players. Like they were recognizable names like Jake Fromm. He was in there. He obviously won to a national championship as a freshman. And so that's an easy one to put in there. Also, you know, he was – I mean, you know, let's just disregard for a second. Let's just disregard what happened and, you know, what he said after the draft. But he came off as a very likable dude. Like there was really no way that you could look at this dude and be like, oh, he's an unlikable guy. And you could tell he was from privilege as well, you know, um, very much like a Nick Scalzo. But the difference was that you actually liked the guy like he didn't do stupid shit that Nick Scalzo would do. So, you know, take that as you will uh there and so uh but the problem with that season was that the talent level was just very like low you know even then you kind of knew like jake Fromm was more of a field general type like he'll like game manage type i should say like he'll manage the game and whatnot and then the other two guys like you know you had a tavon bauer i don't remember who the other one is uh, but tavon bauer you know he was a solid dual threat but he was so inconsistent he got hurt a lot you know that's just who he was and then i don't even remember who the other quarterback is which should say all you need to know about that um but really you know just the talent level wasn't there this season probably had the most talent altogether between lance between spencer yeah, between Lance and between Spencer, uh, basically. Um, Nick Scalzo is probably one of – oh, sorry. In that first season, you had Tate Martell. Tate Martell. That's the other guy. Yeah. And, you know, there's all those uh, narratives like, oh, is he the greatest high school football player of all time? In my opinion, he's not even top ten. Um, he played on a stacked team in Nevada. He played a team in Texas that barely made the playoffs and made a whole big deal about that. He has the personality of Nick Scalzo. Uh, but obviously he's way more talented and, um, you know, so there you go. Um, I never liked Tate Martell. So like from the beginning, like I was looking for reasons to not like this dude to the end. And he gave me plenty of reasons and more for that. And he was good in quotation marks, but I saw through it, you know, there's a reason why he sat behind like 500 quarterbacks at a whole Oh, I can't even talk. 500 quarterbacks at Ohio State, including Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, and then continued to do that over at Miami behind no names, basically, um, which is where he continues to be at. And so there's that. Um, but yeah, I think talent-wise, like QB, this season of QB1 definitely has a beat. Personality-wise, like you like Lance, you find ways to like Spencer. You know, that's a big plus because I think in the other seasons, you know, you had guys that you could get behind, but like, you know, they just weren't like funny dudes 
<laughs> like they just weren't like entertaining guys. Like it was like low key a little boring, like watching a Real Mitchell or you know all that. Like the only reason Tate Martell was entertaining was because he's a dickhead. So <laughs> that like that's that's what it is, you know, and privileged as well. So he's all of that, um, and talented. So he very much bought into the Johnny Manziel narrative uh, there, Tate Martell, and that's probably the most entertaining guy outside of this season. Justin Fields, like I said, he was already checked out, so he really doesn't matter that much. Um, yeah. So I'd say all around, you know, this season's better. I, the only thing I kind of dislike, like the only way this could have been like the perfect season, by far it's the best season, but the only way this could have been the perfect season is if they found a guy outside of Nick Scalzo to be the third quarterback. Like maybe even a Colorado guy or I, I don't know, like just like just not him, anybody but this dude. He was the, easily the worst part of this entire season. Like I hated watching this dude, and I like I hated and liked it in a way where I didn't like. I actually, no, not even liked it. Like I just didn't care about his story. Like it's the same. Like I don't know, bro. I just didn't care. Um, I kind of like even if he went to state and won it, like there just wasn't really a part where I was like compelled to like be interested in this dude's story um and that's it at least in all the other seasons you found ways to be compelled to kind of see their story through but with this guy there's just a very big like why does it matter behind his name whenever he came up so it's harsh but it's true bro luke mccaffrey was was the top prospect in colorado during this year so actually that had been kind of lit well what was he rated three star or four star four star Oh, he might have been rated a little bit too high. Um, so, I don't know, because they, they always want a, at least a three-star type of guy. Or a no-ranked guy. You could always follow a no-ranked guy. That'd be cool, too, you know? Who's just, like, recognized, you know? Yeah. So, I, mean, I don't know, man. Uh, great season altogether. Like, by far the best. Probably the funniest season, too. Uh, drama-wise, it's up there, I would say. I don't think there's really any other uh, season that had that much drama. I mean, maybe you can make a point with Real Mitchell um, over at St. John Bosco getting replaced by the now five-star quarterback that we know him as DJ Uwe Galele over at Clemson. You know, that was cool kind of seeing DJ get his, uh, like, you know, like get his career started there. But um, other than that, I'd say altogether, there really wasn't anything – I disliked about this season uh, compared to other seasons. You know, Nick Scalzo is really the only thing. So they could have done Ty Evans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. From that would have been awesome. Shoot. Yeah, but instead they they went with this guy. You know. But it is know. what it is. We had plenty to plenty to react to, and I think it's nice kind of having a Nick Scalzo so that you know we could share lessons to these kiddos on what not to be that's important too and the contrast too between how they all behave yeah no i like think if you that's just have three guys part. that are all like just good and like good natured then like it kind of takes away like how good they are because you're not seeing just how bad it can be you know what My i'm saying man, bro there's like a trash truck outside so i'm like trying to God fucking damn, bro. Um, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying for sure. But I guess um, 
Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. Last question here. Favorite scene in the entire show of this season? This could be funny, serious, whatever. Just favorite scene off the top of your head. I'm going to throw out a couple. Uh, the okay. J. Sarah game. Oh, my gosh. Just Spencer being so hype on the sideline. And, like, his coach, like, actually having to physically hold him back. Like, Spencer, I need you to calm the hell down, bro. <laughs> like, relax. You know, because he was just so excited. You know, yeah. he was just so, like, the blood was pumping. Um, that scene, I'd say, like, the um, <laughs> the, the scene where Spencer is in that, like, water gun assassin game yeah, is actually yeah. so much fun. Because it's just, like, it's so regular high school, you know? And uh, it's just like <laughs> he's so goofy, bro. Like he's just he's just fun. He's just a lot of fun. And then uh, Lance's driving scene. Always, yeah. Because, bro, that dude really just backed onto the curb. Uh, the instructor, <laughs> that is. Yeah, and then and, got started. Yeah, and then the montage leading to the state ship for Warren Easton. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, honestly, all of my favorite scenes as well. Um, didn't think about the J. Sarah one, which I probably should have, but for sure, for sure, the driving one. I think that's the funniest. And then, um, yeah, that's definitely the funniest. Which is great because, like, Lance's scenes are like Spencer. I'd say Spencer most consistently has the funny scenes, right? Yeah. Like, quote unquote funny scenes. But for Lance to just have the dude, I was dying at that. Oh my God, bro. Yeah, and no, like the sure. the look that Lance and his buddy give to the camera, bro, like straight <laughs> up office stuff. Like what the hell? Well, time after time, really, because it happens kind of a lot with Lance. I feel just a very yeah. low key comedy. <laughs> when Lance is like doing his dance and his teammate looks at the camera, bro, is like, bro. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. lots of bra moments over there at Warren Easton. There really is. But yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, all of the same, you know. Um, I think by far my favorite scenes, I guess, was most of Lance's scenes actually in that last episode. Um, we talked about, you know, the shot of the Superdome. That whole montage is hype, especially when they beat that team with the fireworks. Like, I loved that personally. Um, I thought that was super cool. So, so yeah. But what would you give the what would you give season three of QB one out of ten? Um, mm, like in comparison to like just as a show, yeah, just as a show, like compare in comparison to uh Last Chance You and all that, I guess. Uh, do give <clears throat> it like as a show rating, uh, for for just like football players, you know, because that's the perspective that most people are going to be watching it from, so okay, yeah, uh, as a football player, easily nine out of ten. You know, like I, I can't give them a perfect score because there are probably more perfect uh, shows and stuff out there for sure. But nine out of ten, you know, I'll even acknowledge Nick Scalzo's role and all that. You know, being able to see, you know, the com- you know competent good quarterbacks and then one that is the complete opposite. So nine out of ten for sure. Uh, what about you? Uh, I'll, I'll probably echo the same thing. Uh, high, high eight, you know, or, or a nine out of 10, somewhere in that ballpark. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think that they did a good job. There are some great shots. The way that they do the games is super cool. Um, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I think there are definitely some things that I wish we got to see, like, a little bit more of. Uh, like, I kind of wish that the show was, like, a few more episodes longer. Really? Know, because I definitely feel like we glaze over some things um, as far as, like, more off-the-field kind of stuff. Um, it, like, like not everyone's community kind of gets the same coverage, I'd say. Like, I know that that's part of narrative and storytelling, but I don't know. I, I think I would have liked a few more behind-the-scenes stuff and uh stuff like that personally for for who specifically for whose community uh like like out in arizona a little bit honestly because because of the football culture that they have developed there you know i feel like we don't really get as good of a look at that um yeah and just talking like state talent um well if you actually get just a good talking, look at that just talking you could just state... talk to zach klein but go Ooh, ahead coach klein yeah um but I just like getting a look at like the state talent overall a little bit more. I think it's something that they could kind of easily do in uh, QB one that they don't really do in general. Like okay. talk other players and and like spotlighting kind of like how coaches are trying to game plan against it and whatnot. So a little bit more of a last chance you type of vibe where you're following multiple players within a storyline. Yeah, but I mean, it's QB one. Obviously, I understand that. But just like a few more mentions and whatnot, um, like you know, I don't, I don't remember. Did they like put a caption for Bijan Robinson? Uh no, we just recognized like, him because that's what he looks like. Yeah, so like just having captions, you know, every once in a while, like they were doing for some of the like teammates and whatnot, like especially for like Lance's teammates, would be like blah blah blah, three star cornerback or whatever. Just like doing that, like anytime that someone pops up. Nico Mannion. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Maybe so it's just because like, they wanted to stay with the aesthetic, like a very natural aesthetic. And if you notice them in the back, you notice them, you know? Yeah. So just, just a little bit deeper, you know, just because I'm curious. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I'm not I like I think for it's older, nitpicking, but, you know, no, I got you. I got you. I think for older like uh, athletes and whatnot, like you'll appreciate just the natural, like, it's just, you know, a documentary, right? You don't have all these uh, things popping up and whatnot, you know. Um, I think for a younger audience, it definitely pays off, because if you don't know some of these dudes, it helps to know them, uh, just having those uh, pictures and whatnot come up as well, you know, because um, a lot of this, like, show, I would say, is just very aesthetically pleasing. Like, obviously, there are naturally great storylines and whatnot that they follow and cover well, but, like, it's just a very well shot, you know, and so I, it's a little out of pocket, I guess, uh, out, or not out of pocket, but outside of their, you know, um, how should I say this? Outside of their forte to like, you know, do that right and cover other guys or, uh, you know, put out those things that you said. Because it's all about aesthetic, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So. Uh, no arguments there, but all right then. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on as we close this thing up? Uh, don't be stupid. <laughs> uh, to, words to of the, the high great school Michael Scott. Yes. Don't be stupid. It's it's not hard. Um, to not well, be for stupid. some people it is. Um, for some people it is, but uh, just don't be around those people. Um, if you can help it, obviously. <laughs> so, okay. bro, it's just like, God, there's so much that's just so avoidable. Um, Nick. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. 
I understand that. All right. Basically, well, just listen to everything we said about Nick Scalzo and, like, do the opposite of that, and you'll be all right. Yeah, for the most part, you'll be okay. So, fair enough. I mean, all he right, was well, all right, and he did all that stuff, so. Yeah, well. Just be, bo- just be born into generational wealth. That's the best advice that QB1 has. Cody said, just be white. I did not say that. I wasn't born into generational wealth. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap this thing up here. (laughs) Anyways, um, thank you for rocking with us uh, with this series. We are going to cover Last Chance U, the first season of Indy, I want to say. And so we'll have a little bit more content there as well. But thank you for rocking with us. If you want to follow us, you know, go ahead and show some love on all of our social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, of course. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and, you know, be on the lookout for more content. Uh, we, I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, we are in the works of putting together a website as well. And so we'll have all of our content in another spot outside of our social medias. So, yeah. Um, but I have been your co-host, Simon Voyanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. Make sure you turn into Friday's episode. Yes, that's a it's a long one, but it's a good one. Um, but either way, it'll be good. And uh, thank you for rocking with us, and we'll see you on Friday. Bye. Adios.